not by saving media production. Welcome to the Biscrush podcast series, where I interview successful South African entrepreneurs and movers and shakers in order to extract practical advice on succeeding in business and life. I'm your host, Jacques Bassard. How do you start, or better yet, find and run a successful business in South Africa? Well, by identifying what people's needs are and fulfilling those needs accordingly. That does not mean a business will be successful if you identify the needs, but you should be able to get it off the ground. And this is the starting point for any business, according to Philip Moore, a successful business owner and entrepreneur. Philip's ability to identify needs and fulfilling them in conjunction with his entrepreneurial spirit brought upon an opportunity to invest in Rhino SA, a technical brand in sport, specifically rugby, which manufactures and distributes scrum machines, clothing, and other technical training equipment to the sports industry. Philip, welcome. Yeah, at Boma 21, it's great to have you. I was just saying, I think it's, I mean, time just flown by since the first time we bumped into one another was the Springbok and, and Welsh game. Absolutely. Uh, interesting day, that. <laughs> it was a very interesting day. I was, um, I, I remember, I mean, I've never seen so many, I think that was the whole, like, Charlize Theron, Theron joke with the 44. That looked like the whole of Wales that was there. That exactly. <laughs> and a proper hiding as well. That a pro- and a proper hiding. They were very gracious, but the, I was, I was, um, I was in the toilet, um, and uh, obviously there was these young. Th- I think it was like academy players and, and, and old toppies. Yeah. And uh, the one guy, um, he was talking. Obviously, I understand. Just say the accent, and I, I made a joke, and I asked him, "So, which country are you from?" <laughs> <laughs> and he laughed. He did. He, did, he took it in a, in, in a good spirit. But anyway, it's, it's great to have you here. But but please, I, I'm, I'm very curious. You've, you've got a fascinating business, but let's start at the beginning. Tell us your story. Where where did you grow up? What what's the journey uh, you uh, took that that uh, to here well, where you're sitting? Yeah, uh, very interesting Germany. Um, Joburg boy through and through. Uh, Got brought up and born in Benoni with 44 Afrikaans. Well, speaking, speaking, so I was going to say, speaking <laughs> of, of uh, Charlize, yeah. A- absolutely. Um, then went to good old CBC Christian Brothers College back in Boxburg and then moved on to Jeppe and then Pretoria Boys High. Uh, matriculated, went, stuffed around a lot in matric and didn't study enough like most of us. From there. Why is that? Was there. Was there I, I, this entrepreneurial spirit at an early age, or what? No, not really, just a naughty shit. <laughs> I'm being <laughs> bored, honest. Bored, bored, <laughs> yeah, just bored. Um, um, so, and then from there, went down to KZN and studied to become a paramedic. Became a paramedic and then worked for, uh, back in those days, it was Evermed, which became Nedcare. And then the industry started changing. So from that, I was like, look, I'm, I'm done with it. I'm done with night shifts, all of that. Then I started my own paramedic business in the film industry and was on a lot of sets working in advertising, films. It's like you're on standby if the oak That's falls, it. falls it, off it, the ladder type it, thing. It was the best job in the world. I mean, I sat on my ass 90% of the time, watched <laughs> everyone else work. That's <laughs> just a reactive job. Yeah. yeah. Um, and with that, I ended up in Cape Town. And then in Cape Town, the <coughs> film and media industry is very seasonal. I'm sure you know that. And uh, it, it was a case I was sitting around one winter and not doing much. And a friend of mine called and said, look, we've got an ops manager job for you in Nigeria. So from there, I went to Nigeria. I was in Nigeria for four years. Wow. And Where, Lagos? Where were you? Uh, the whole country. So we set up ambulances, clinics, call centers countrywide. We had about 2,500 staff under us in the end. Very interesting journey. And so I was taking that that obviously a passion. I don't think you become <coughs> a paramedic because you've got nothing else to do. Yeah. And combining that with that entrepreneurial spirit of, okay, we need to start a business effectively in, in, in Nigeria. No, no, no. Um, so if very interesting business model that was there. The company that hired me owned an insurance company and a pharmaceutical company. Okay. And they said, well, yeah, we've got all these members. We've got everyone using Let our product. Let's do something with it. How are we going to get outlets? How are we going to change it? So there, there was no medical aid in Nigeria at that stage. 
and it was a case of let's set up the infrastructure to create a medical aid around it. Wow. It was very, very what, interesting. What, uh, if, if, if we can quickly stand still there, what, if, if you think back, uh, what, was, what was fascinating? What, I would say two things that, that learnings and, and two maybe not so nice uh, learnings. <laughs> <laughs> um, fascinating how, if you look at the heart of it, all businesses are intertwined in one form or another and exploring that, as well as fascinating seeing the history of the country and dealing with multinational corporations and realising the world is a postage stamp, it gets smaller every day. Uh, differences and difficulties was dealing with a complete different culture. Um, the culture in Nigeria, so we had to bring in advanced life support and paediatric life support for Nigerian doctors. They knew the theory of everything, but not the practicality. And it was breaking that down, how to get to work with people who had um, an inflated opinion of their abilities without breaking them down. So, so it, it, it ignorance was, was bliss. So <laughs> yes, these are it, it was, absolutely, absolutely. And but why, why would they... So, so, I mean, on the one hand, it's good to, to have that, I guess, thin line between confidence and arrogance, but... And ignorance. The, the wh why did they have this? I mean, are they are they world class trained? Um, th from a theory point of view, a, a, a lot of the Nigerian universities were absolutely excellent. Is this? But they didn't have the the practical background to go with it. I mean, here, whatever anyone may say, the comm service here is the best in the world. I mean, doctors here know how to deal it's with everything. They trenches. They, they train uh, in the trenches. Uh, I mean. Absolutely. And, and the respect for them just keeps going up and up and up. Um, and that's why South African doctors are wanted worldwide. Um, and, and medical personnel, for that matter. So it, it, it is because of the system we've got. Everyone complains about it, but the system works and it produces good ethical, uh, technical people around mm. it, if I may put it that way. And I think we're going to touch on that later on about... Talked about Nielsen about <laughs> <laughs> about theory yes. or, or, or or information versus facts yes. uh, on the ground. Ab absolutely. All right. So four years. Um, um, I mean, I said one of those things. If you look back, you, is it is it a, a, a horrible in the sense that or a nice that you don't never never want to repeat or uh, no? Um, I I thoroughly enjoyed it. Really? It was a great environment, a great culture. Um, worked very very hard, uh, but played equally just as hard. Yeah. And loved it. Um, I'm, I'm a gregarious person, so you meet new people, have fun, and take on whatever challenges you get given and run with it. And yeah, yeah. If I if it got offered to me tomorrow, I'd do it again, absolutely. Um, but <laughs> my journey went to different paths. So yeah, yeah. yeah. So so four years there, and then what then? No, well, I, c I came back to South Africa, um, Cape Town again. I, I went back to Cape Town. Um, Started a business in uh, medical software, tr trying to stay in the industry, which didn't work out. Um, and the only reason why it didn't work out was I was working too hard, and, and because of it, my marriage failed. Yeah, so, so now you get all these distractions, right, on, on the side well, of shame. Well, no, I, I made the decision that w w when it was established that it failed, I was leaving Cape Town. Uh, Cape Town's a different pace for me, so that day I packed up my car, left Cape Town, came up to Joburg and then started rebuilding my life. And it was the best decision I ever made. So so I want to quickly stand still with, with you know, starting a business. And I mean, the same in, in, in Durban. What what was that first steps? Because I mean, it's like, yeah, I started the business. No, let's say, uh, you know, there's a novice out there that wants to start a business. So what were you looking for, uh, in particular in Cape Town? You said, okay, there's a software opportunity. And what's the advice you can give Oaks to say, listen, just keep an eye out here, there, there to well, identify the gap? What is a person's needs? You, in any business, you've got to fulfill needs. And if you don't identify those needs correctly, uh, it's doomed to failure in the long run. That doesn't mean every business is going to succeed once you've identified the needs. Um, someone might be identifying it at the same time as you. But if you find a need and you can fill it, yeah. invariably... Yeah, you, you, you should be able to get it off the ground. <laughs> and how, and how did you f look? Uh, how did you identify that, in particular, that software at the time? How did uh, you no, got look, to I that I point? I was uh, also being in the right place at the right time. Um, so I knew the guys who started the EDI in b between the medical aids and doctors years ago. 
um, electronic data interface, which is, as most people know now with Discovery, you claim that they paid within 24 hours. This was going back in the early 80s when they started doing that. And I knew those guys, so they developed a new software and they were like, look, we're looking for someone in the Western Cape. And I'm like, well, the need's there, let's 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 give it a crack. But again, it sounds like you were... uh, too far ahead of your time, actually. No, 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 not, re- no, not, no, re- no, not, not at all. Um, uh, it was a case of I was working too hard in the business and not on the business got at it, that got stage. It. You just burnt, burnt and, out. And um, I, I didn't burn out. It was because I was in the business. I wasn't identifying how it's affecting my marriage the rest of the life. We, we all sometimes get in that rut where we're working too hard in the business and they're not actually on the business. And, and that needs to be looked at at times as well. It's a, it's a, it's a very important uh, uh, point you make. And I was actually, we were actually discussing a, a few friends on Friday. I was, I was referring to the e-myth, mm. Michael Gerber, why 80% of small businesses fail. It's one of my top five reads. And again, it's because of the, the entrepreneur that effectively owns a job. Yes, and uh, you, you have to. There's three critical roles in business, in small business, and now you you, you have to wear all three hats, and you not you not that you uh, can't wear all three hats. Look, I, I, I think there, there, there's a big difference to an entrepreneur or someone who buys a salary. So a lot of guys, um, I, I know, for example, ex-government employees years ago went and bought a debonairs. I'm guaranteed I'm making my little thirty, forty thousand a month and I'm comfortable, but they're working in the business, not on the business and growing it. And where can it expand to? So as you say, if you get caught wearing all those three hats, you're never focusing a jack of all trades and a king of none. And that sums it up. And I always, I always and I mean I I, I I joke to an extent, I said, you know, and I and I don't when I say joke, I, I don't I still feel for oaks that, that crash. That starts a business or you special for it, but the, I mean the Afrikaners with you know my my fellow <laughs> Afrikaner brothers, the Oaks that retired, so I always said they bought a spa or a spur, right? And somehow a spur, a restaurant, you think you're not you're going to appoint a, a manager, and you think that's going to work, or the fact that you think supermarket, you know what? I, I guess it's the most scientific retail setup uh, today. Uh, you just squeeze stuff on a on a shelf and and and, and, and it just <laughs> <laughs> runs out of the store, right? I, I, I'm I'm so glad you mentioned Spurs. So interestingly enough, one of the people who I dealt with through the medical software was a doctor by the name of Doctor Yabra van Veik, and he was a GP in Uppington. And this is years ago. I don't know what the situation is now, but at that stage, he owned every single Spur and Wimpy in the Northern Cape. Goodness, and. It's because he worked on the business, not in the business. Yes, and he yes. got managers and said, there's a profit margin for you, but I want daily reports, I want daily information, all of those things. And, and, and it's a mindset. Wow, yeah. No, that's a, that's a fantastic example. So no, you have to be careful, and I, I can't agree more. And, and again, it's working in the business, like you say. It's, you can't see what's that, the, the trees from the wood, what's that saying? <laughs> uh, it's, uh, you're too close to, to the problem in many ways. And I think one underestimates, um, I love... Henry Ford, and uh, there's this famous quote where uh, he says, um, uh, "Thinking is the hardest work there is. That's why so few people engage with it, right?" And, and absolutely, and, and you think you lay it's hard work to think, but you need that free time to think and to strategize and to plan in in, in business. I, I think that downtime or that uh, I, I see you've got your little notebook. I've got my little notebook. Um, I, I mean, I get up every morning at four o'clock. Between four and about five thirty, I sit with a cup of coffee and j- just plan Think. my day, week, month, yeah. year, and keep reviewing over everything, mm. and refer back to notes. So yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> and, it's and it's critical for me. For sure. No, I, I agree with you, and I'm and I'm the old school. I like my pen and paper. Uh, as much as I love technology, <laughs> I, I want my pen and paper when it comes to thinking and and so on. Right. So you you, you moved back to Joburg. So what what was how did well, in, interestingly enough, I helped my dad out in his business. Um, he's a CA, and I just brought in some technology in there. And um, th- then from there, I, I got approached by another business um, just to assist them with setting up a national program, which I did. And through that, I the the guys who are running Rhino South Africa were looking for investors, and me and another friend, Vanna Marie, um, who works for Metal Specialized Services, identified the opportunity and decided to jump in hands in and we did it and 
the, the rest, rest is, is I say history. <laughs> but, let's, but, but let's stand still there. So let's tell us a bit more. Let's delve deeper. What, what that process, why um, rugby? So, <coughs> yeah. Well, in, in terms of it, 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 it was um, Albert Pistana and Angus Thompson who were looking for investors. Um, they'd got it off the ground, but it wasn't flying yet. And, and, and in all fairness, it's still not flying 100%. But what was the, sorry to interrupt you, uh, just as far as that particular category. Okay. So let's, let's uh, what, what, how did that evolve? Was that, again, just a, a, a automatic? So again, uh, again, assuming few listeners don't have a clue what Rhino is, and they think it's something to do with the Kruger National. <laughs> so let's talk about, the uh, before okay. we get, but talk about the, the category. Okay, so I I in terms of it, Rhino is a technical brand in sports, specifically rugby. However, uh, you can't build a business out of rugby alone, so it also does netball, hockey, clothing, all of the above. Uh, but having a look at it, regardless of anything, we said, what is the need? And if we look at the needs, people still need rugby balls. They still need netballs. They still need sports clothing. They, they, they still need all those items. It's interesting that one of the fastest growing areas is personal health in exercise and fitness around. Now, this is falling into a subcategory, but it's everyone's children. Mm. And if we brutally honest, parents will do without as long as my children are well-fed, looked after, competing in sports, taking care of it. And it, it was an opportunity, and that, that's what we, we identified and decided to pursue accordingly. And the fact that they, there's legs, I mean, it's like you say, you can take it outside of sport. Well, well, interestingly enough, I mean, the, the, the stat is um, in South Africa, there's two and a half million balls sold every year. Well, well, not South Africa, let's call it SADC, because a lot of it goes across of the board. Of course, yes. But I mean, two and a this half... This is soccer balls. No, 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 no. This is rugby and netballs. This oh, is really, not soccer really, balls. Oh, really, really, really? Wow. Um, so it, 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 it's, it's a bigger business than most people think. Um, and with that, it said, well, we would like to grow and see where this goes. And yeah. Okay, so, so let's talk about let's talk about the products. Let's talk about the sport. How it's, what, what are the products? How is it used? Talk about the two and a half million. That's fascinating. Where the hell is that going in Africa? Where are they <laughs> playing rugby or netball? So yeah, just just unpack that a bit. Um, well, as I said, Rhino was is technically uh, uh, well is the technical brand back end brand. So a lot of people don't know it. So the scrummaging machines, uh, we the, the worldwide producer, most recognised producer of scrummaging machines. So the Springboks produce our machines, the Sharks, Stormers, uh, Lions, England, um, Ireland. Where's Wales. it manufactured? Um, locally, we manufacture for our region. Uh, it's once again transport. Transport becomes too expensive if you move it across. Um, it, it's manufactured in the UK as well. So again, it's under license there, slap, slap. Yeah, but it, And it's according to you. You send the, the, the menu across, so to speak. Uh, international specs, um, I mean, top of the range scrum machines over 300,000. So it's, it's not cheap. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but the benefits are huge and, and the growth is huge. So we're we, we, we the back-end brand uh, from scrum machines, but then we also do highly technical stuff with Richie Gray's products, you, you, you know, for jackal bags, uh, tackling bags. A lot of people aren't aware of it. They think oh, a, a tackle bag's a tackle bag. No, there's lots of designations and uses for it. And it's also to train correct technique without the player getting injured, learning on a bag before he goes out on the field. So it, it is quite involved, yeah. Sure, that's fascinating. How, how is, speaking of evolution, how is a, a, a scrum machine again? I mean, a scrum machine today is not a scrum machine of, of 30 years ago. How do they stay on top? How do you stay on top of making sure this thing is, I don't know, better? Or uh, well, well, look, I'm, I mean, Rhino South Africa owns the whole... S so the, the, the best way to look at it is, let's call it a franchisee model. So we do the whole SADC region. And in terms of it, there is continual development from the UK, uh, where our head office is. So Martin Johnson's chairman of the organisation okay. and Reg Clark's the CEO. And um, we've got a development team. We develop with whoever is the most technical in that environment at any given stage. And it, it's an ongoing process. I mean, every so it just year... just filters from wherever. Yeah. If, if Argentina has a smart plan, whatever, and it filters back into... Well, look, it, it, it's, it's what makes sense with the current law. So 
a, as we know, we take 30 years ago, we, we were at the Sharks. I've got photos, uh, pictures from the old star in 1981 with the first scrum machine at the Sharks. And that has evolved with the laws of rugby as well because they've changed all the time. I mean, if you look at scrum yesterday to today, yeah, it it's changes like, like all the slamming time. in and now standing still. So and all these things play a role. And, and all of that technology needs to be accounted for and brought to the fore, and that's what happens. So, yeah. So, so okay, so that makes sense. As far as the... Um, I mean, as, as speaking of, of the right technique, it just reminds me of... Um, when we lived in the UK, my son started playing rugby, and this whole where they start with a small, with the with the the young lighties with the tag rugby. Yes, it's like we were just tackling the hell out of everything. I mean, from from the get go, and they now developing these skills to and even as how they position <laughs> their head in their hand, right? This method in the madness. A a absolutely, and, and uh, I think every sport has gone through that evolution in the last thirty years, where technology has changed. Every environment, what sports, media, whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and, and it's a good thing, I think, at the end of the day. So, yeah. So, what? Uh, I'm going to sound sarcastic here. So, netball. What? What's uh, you know? I'm, I'm seeing tall chicks with with a round ball. I mean, what? <laughs> but that's ignorance speaking. No, right? I, I mean even netball. Um, we've got tackle bags as well, little hit shields that are hard to position yourself when you catch the ball how to put your shoulder okay. in the right position without hurting yourself not to get bumped off the ball uh, the, the the technology that goes into all of it it's 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 absolutely mind-boggling my and goodness no no so and 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 but yeah if you want to so because i want to ask the next question about the ball so i want to talk about the big the big brands in the world so how does that you know as, as far as gray so give us a snapshot of of the top brands uh and and Obviously, these look, balls going into Africa. <laughs> look, uh, the, the the top brand worldwide is Gilbert. Uh, there's no denying it. We all see it. They sponsor seven of the top eight rugby nations. Uh, well, what country are they originally from? The UK. Oh, so it's British. It yeah. is British, yeah. Um, and I in terms of it, um, interestingly enough, we do all 78 nations below that tier. We don't want to get in that environment, and we don't want to get into the paying to use our ball environment. Uh, it's a business model they've followed and we've decided we don't want to follow. It's almost it. like a game day model. Whereas it, it, yours it is, is no, Monday no, no, to Friday or not? No, not, not really. I, um, the, 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 the top eight use the ball and get paid to use the ball. I understand. And um, the, the, the other nations, so if you look at it, Germany plays on our ball, France, uh, not, not France, uh, Germany, Spain, the, the rest of Europe. Uh, we, we tried the model where it's pay the ball. I mean, we did the Pro 16, they played on our ball, no problem. And it, it just gets to a case where we follow on what I believe is systemic in rugby worldwide is you, you're paying for a service, but you're not getting a return. And at the end of the day, we all want to return anywhere in life. So, yeah. Why, why, why would Gilbert continue with it? Do you reckon there's a, I mean, I must assume there is an ROI? Look, uh, there th there absolutely is, um, but t to me, is that ROI justified? Is it enough? Where do you draw the line? Th they get the television exposure absolutely, and um, th the th the whole model has been there hasn't been enough good competition before. I would say ourselves and summits are the other two balls in the marketplace, and that's changing. Um, and the the more it changes, if you don't adapt your business model, eventually it will fail. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't think that that business model is sustainable in the current environment. So so I, I take it again that all three brands are on par quality-wise. I mean, what's the real distinguishing factor at the end of the day that helps that? I mean, obviously brand awareness at that certain level, so there's a bit of a, I guess, a, a global bragging right that, that helps. Uh, but ultimately, uh, what... what look, I... Boost sales. No, I, I would say that there's slight differences between everyone. Um, so 95% of all bulls are made in a 100-kilometer radius in India. Um, so th there are lots of similarities, and there's, but there are differences. And uh, no one is better than the other. 
and no one is worse than the other. Let me put it that way. What what's changed with, with the rugby ball? I mean, obviously, uh, stating the obvious, it's not leather anymore, right? So no, no, it is one hundred percent leather. Oh, is it still? So it's just not a. It's not that good old. Uh, uh, no, 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 uh, not not the old brown that, that, that kicks that your foot off and everything. It breaks like your that. foot <laughs> and it sucks up all the water yeah. on the field, right? No, so. no. Uh, look, it's it's. Uh, it's a lot more involved, um, and just as much as there was development around scrum machines, there's development about balls all the time, and it is changing and growing as well. So, yeah. So it's leather. Yes, there is. Good heavens. Com- I thought it's plastic. This no, shows no, no, how no, ignorant no, no, no. I am. There, there, there is a huge component of leather and rubber in it. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a mixture. Okay. And how does am I allowed to ask how much it costs to make a ball? Uh, it depends on the type. There's various prices. <laughs> So what's the typical? I mean, is, are the no, margins you, healthy on a rugby ball? No, it's, uh, the, the challenge is the environment's changed. So um, you, you've got your low-end mass-produced ball and then you've got your top-end ball. Um, I, I, I mean, some balls can go up to 4,200 rand a ball now. Really? Uh, uh, yes, uh, and that that is excessive. So, But with it, the environment's changed. Pre-COVID... Your shipping costs were twenty five percent of your cost. Now it's up at sixty seven percent. So, uh, and as any business, you so can that's really driving so the much. cost more than anything else. It's not well, that you want to charge that much necessarily. It's just you. Yeah, have to. no, absolutely. As well as the rand dollar. I mean, the rand dollar's worsened over the period as well. So yes, that's also had a drastic impact. What, what's the shelf life of a rugby ball? Is that was that how long is a piece of string question? <laughs> <laughs> No, it, it, it is how long a piece of string is because it depends what type of ball. Uh, it, it, th- there's various shelf lives uh, and usage lives. Yeah. So if you t- look at a typical training ball, I mean, so even the fact, I mean, I, I would imagine, I again, at a certain uh, level with professional uh, games, they go matches, they're going to play with a new ball every time. Yes. Uh, so, so if we take a test match, a test match typically has eight balls that are rotated throughout the whole game and afterwards they jumped. So th- there you go. What do they do with them, by the way? Uh, they give it to the lower teams and so kickers it, and yeah, okay. things like that. So okay, yeah. eight balls every game. Yeah, yes, like I mean, so how many balls are? Uh, wha- what's the size of the market? No, no. Well, as I said, two and a half million in South Africa. Alone. Just South Africa. J- just uh, well, static. Yeah, static. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and I, and, and globally, do you know? Uh, globally, I can't. I, 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 mean, I, I couldn't give you an idea because still, the reason being is the, the fastest growing rugby environments in the world is the states at the moment, and specifically women's rugby. And the amount that it's growing there, I, I, I've got no idea, but it is growing unbelievably well. Sure. And, and that's exciting because, again, I, I think with the Americans, because of the, the way they, they do business and approach things, you're going you're gonna to probably have some of the, coming back to that, technical input. That's just no, well, we, we are involved there. We are the official ball for Major League Rugby in the States. Um, uh, the thing is, it's 340 million people, so... <laughs> Even as a tiny percentage, you're going you're gonna, to you have you're going to have critical mass. A- a- absolutely, absolutely. So All right, so so you've got rugby ball, netballs. What what? So is that the bulk? If you do eighty twenty of the product, you've got the tackling bags, the scrum machines, uh, rugby balls, different type of rugby ball depending on if it's training yeah. or match day, and then netball. Yeah, well, also we do sublimated clothing, team wear, all of that as well. So um, I would say. What so that sounds like the merchandising component. Look, uh, our whole idea was that we want to be a one-stop shop for whichever institution we're with, whether it be a school or a varsity or a professional team, so that you get your clothing from us, you get your balls from us, you get your technical equipment from us, and it's one person and it's the brand gets spread throughout. And how, how's that? I mean, how do you... Give us a, a case study, if you can. So let's say, for example, again, do you do you so once you get your foot in the door with the scrum machine, or you get your foot in with well the ball? Well, it's, it's, it's a start. So I could give you a case study. Uh, at one school, we started out with balls and um, the scrum machines, as well as tackle bags. At Develop, we now do all their rugby clothing, and all their teachers' uniforms, and um, we sell online for them as well. So. It, it grows. The, the, the potential revenue at whichever institution it may be is a lot greater than a person thinks. What, and what, what drives the, what's that, the, what's that value prop? How do you go in and say, listen, you need, you need Rhino. This is okay. why you no, need No, no, no. So fr- from a technical point of view, no one can query us on a rugby technical point of view. 
and we have the years of experience and international backing around that, as well as uh, all schools are struggling for revenue. And what we do is we say to the school, okay, in terms of it, if your children and uh, your, your, your pupils buy on the backing, the school gets a 10% rebate. So it helps them because schools are battling as well. So it's it's another way of them raising funds. And we also sponsor some of the kits as well. So, yeah. So I, I take it from, from the clothing side. You, you, you're up against your typical big um, – I'm thinking there's one company <laughs> in the park that, that yes. is very active with, well, school clothing as a whole, bags yeah. and what have you, yeah. and, and they – we, 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 we mainly the do the sports side of it. We don't want to get into the any any other any other avenue, um, and we, we maintain an international standard. We're not the cheapest, and I don't want to be the cheapest. Yeah, At the yeah. end of the day, this is a quality, and th- this is what you pay for. And yeah, what what do you as far as, and again, it might be a very ignorant question, but let's say now scrumming techniques. What, do you guys bring value to, to coaches to say, listen, mate, this, check this out? Okay, so every single piece of equipment that we, we sell on that gets used, there's YouTube videos on what the correct technique is with the likes of Adam Jones, who was an ex-England player, or who, uh, Richie Gray, or whoever, so that there is that technical advice explained throughout. Um, South Africa is starting to embrace that more and more, and I think that is going to grow with time, especially because all the pupils embrace technology. Not necessarily all the old coaches, but yeah. it's th- they'll go and show it to the coach as well. Which really? So is, is that a, is that a, 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 I wouldn't say an obstacle, but... but a, a, it's, a, it's not an obstacle. A it's small hindrance. Yeah. It's, it's not an obstacle or hindrance. It's It's a case of... How do you change someone's mind? And you've got to do that over time. Some people are very set in their ways. I mean, I was a coach in the 80s as an example, and my kids ran barefoot when it was minus five, and they could still do it today. It's like, no, that doesn't build a good rugby player. So, or it doesn't make a good sportsman. So it's, it's finding that balance and explaining how technology's changed and so forth and so on. And it takes time. So where do our uh, coaches, I mean, what is that, that, funnel or uh, you know where do they develop on the job and, and and my my question is exactly this where for me it's mind-blowing to think that in the 21st century rugby given rugby today that you still have a coach that would not look at any possible resource no I, I, possible I, instead of being a bit of a this is how we've done it no i i, I, I I, th- I think the right term is they haven't been empowered. They, m- they might be at Parais Word, as an example. That, that just doesn't have the, the means to empower this coach properly. And, oh, but we, we our, our farmer friend built a machine in the backyard. <laughs> th- 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 yeah. That's going to work. It's fine. Yeah, young bull and it's free. Sorry, I'm, I'm being... Uh, yeah, but uh, I understand. But, but that is what happens. And... Because we don't, we don't want to spend three hundred grand on exactly. a scrum machine. We don't, we don't. Well, we we, we don't see the need for it because Jan built one for us. Exactly, exactly that. Um, and and it's a challenge. It's it's. I, I mean, th- that's the top of the range. I mean, your your average high school machine is in the region of between seventy and eighty max. So it's 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 not changed, but it's. And how long does that thing last, by the way? Uh, no, no, no. It lasts for years. Okay, if, so if looked after, I, I mean. We we've got one that's lasted for ten years that I can oh think goodness. of now. So it's it's it does repay itself, yeah, but yeah. it's it's like everything. If you don't look after it, it's not going to last. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and how is it going as far as that market penetration? I mean, you've got, and I, I take it it helps that if you have a few uh, uh, strong big schools that are customers. I mean, that helps for testimonials, etc. <laughs> Or not? The, the, this industry is very interesting. Uh, testimonials don't mean much. A lot of uh, a, a lot of the people have had long-standing relationships with their suppliers, and it's slowly changing them over. Um, what we found is 
pre-COVID, we were growing nicely. Then COVID hit, like everywhere, every other business. Um, I mean, during COVID, we did 20% of turnover for two years. Th- then it's a case of rebuilding. And a, a, a lot of people that were in the industry fell away, if I may call it middlemen. And a, a lot of environments... Gate and gatekeepers uh, on, the, on uh, the negative uh, side of... Uh, of, no, of ab- ab- absolutely. Yeah. That, that's a great expression, gatekeepers. And from there, a lot of them came to us directly. And it's, it's growing and growing on a daily basis, which I'm, I'm extremely grateful for. Yeah, so it's, it's getting that the, the, the proper <laughs> message to that decision maker. Uh, a- absolutely. Uh, but it's also difficult I- in terms of you might have someone in Porfado who wants to buy something um, that doesn't get that proper message because a-, a lot of it is face-to-face explaining it. The, 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 you can't explain passion over an email. You mm. can't explain technique over an email. So, uh, But it's growing nicely. So is, so is that the one of the big challenges is, uh, in your sales process is getting that face-to-face meeting? Um Yes, yes, I would say it is. Uh, you've got to go do your cold calling like everyone else and go and knock on doors. And once you open the door, then you've got to make sure you just nudge it open further and further and further and deliver no matter what. So it's not that the, there's a monkey see, monkey do, that the fact that you, you're a high school, we, we talked about, uh, I mean, interesting to talk about Waterkloof uh, earlier and Nas Buerta back in the day. Um, the fact that now Waterkloof wins and they're using Rhino, I mean, Afis, are they not say, hey, hang on, we'll have some of that no, as part of the recipe? The, the, the challenge is it's in the back end. So it's mainly on the training pitch. So you don't see that on, on the game day. And, and it, that could, it could be a factor, but, but you, you don't y- Exactly. Uh, so, so a lot of people don't see it on the game day, but those who study the game and are looking at a long-term career path, definitely know who we are and what we do and where we it's come It's from. finding that hundreds of, of second, yeah, like exa- in Formula ex- One, because exactly. that's what th- those tiny wins. Absolutely. And then you're going to start looking at, if you understand that, you're going to start looking at the scrum machine Ab- as an Ab- example or the, the tackle. Look, look a- a- absolutely. What we, we found, interestingly enough, is a lot of the guys who went across to the UK and played for clubs there, because most of those clubs are on Rhino, came back and said, we want Rhino in South Africa. So that also helped. Uh, so a play, player, uh, player pushed. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> it was bottom up. A- a- absolutely. That's that's very interesting. So let's talk about give, give us a snapshot about school rugby. I mean, and again, I, I, I'd love to stand still with the coaching, how that's evolved. Um, coaches is and and and, and we, we we spoke about it briefly. <laughs> let's unpack the fact that why why would sh- why is it important. To be the best rugby school in South Africa, <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, look, controversially, um, well, I, w- I won't use the word controversially. It's a very interesting model. South Africans, by and large, are known as one of the most passionate sports-loving environments in the world, and especially at school level. I mean, you look at uh, Paul Kim versus Paul Boys. You look at that game, it's... The, the town closes, half is one colour, half is the next, and it's absolutely insane. And a lot of pressure is put on the institutions, whether it whichever of the, the, the top 20 or top 30 schools, to ensure that that winning habit continues. And uh, it, it, it's become very much a scenario of we need the best coaches to ensure that, we need the, the best players to ensure that where I do believe it there has been poaching of players and it's it's well known in the industry if I may put it that way and I think that's to the detriment of the game in the long term because whoever who's given their heart and soul and passion and now gets kicked out of the first team because they've gone and found someone else he's going to lose his passion for rugby and that that's a long-term loss if I may put it that way. I say again it's one of those things that we don't understand that ripple effect actually I, I i think we don't and i think we're creating people or, or students who believe they have value where they have none and you mentioned the example of where we and i mean i, I i'm aware of of uh, high school kids that they've got their bursaries or they've been bought and that and then <coughs> that 30 grand or 40 grand a year is, is, is covered but now suddenly they have a false sense of value C- completely false sense of value. You, you're now telling this child, oh, because he's played first team at Hasfontein. I'm just using that as an example. Um, that no, he's worth X 
But and he's a, and he's a guarantee, he's like a future Springbok. But um, mate, you actually what was that percentage you mentioned? So less than two percent of kids who go to Craven Week actually make it through to the national side. Good heavens! It's tiny. It's minute. And what about uh, on provincial level? I look, I, I'm not sure of the stat. It's, on not, it's not going to be much better. It's right? It's not going to be much better at all. That's that's very. And also, these kids have a very limited self life. I mean, you've got to have luck of the draw to go all the way, health, genetics, you didn't have a wrong fall or an injury that's Ill career limiting. So it's, 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 a, it's a difficult environment. What um, I think, in a, in, and there is a, coming back to it, and again, I want to ask the question again. So you, you've got, why, why would high schools or the, the governing bodies pay so much money for a... I mean, and it's not cheap. I know, I mean, these guys are not cheap. I, and I say that because I know what... I remember Bluefontein, one of the the, the, the high schools there, I'm not going to name names, but, I mean, this was was like, uh, here's a little uh, assistant coach job. It was, it's, a, it's a very comfortable salary. Well, not none of the teachers are earning that. <laughs> and I mean, that wasn't even a... I, I, I'll be controversial and say this is my own point of view. Um and I do believe it is all about money at the end of the day. If if you're continually winning, it's easier to get money out of old boys, out of the alumni, out of uh, whoever has invested in the school. And so it's a, it's a, it's good old ego. Let's call it a feel good factor. Let's look, be look, nice. I'm I'm going to be brutally honest. <laughs> rugby is ego. Uh, th th there's no denying that rugby is ego. Uh, as much as it's it's sport and a business, it's it's mainly run by ego. What what are the pros and cons of that? <laughs> <laughs> oh. I mean, as 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 a con, or let's say a, 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 a pro in the sense that if you have, and I'm thinking out loud, right? If 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 you have this winning uh, a school, they they must. Be, it's like the All Blacks, right? There's a ripple effect that everybody in New Zealand's happy if they win. I mean, obviously the <laughs> the opposite is the, the depression when they lose, but. It's this uplifting factor. Is that is that a, Look, is that a uh, real thing? I I, I think there the, there is definitely an uplifting factor. I mean, let's use grey. Um, how many kids want to get into grey each year? Because they're known as the best rugby school in the world. If if we're honest, I, I mean, they're going now to the um, high school World Cup, if I may call it that, in the UK, um, and th they have this amazing talent pool because of it. But the, the con might be that um, the, the kid next door who lives right on the doorstep can't get into the school because of it. Or he's a, he's a, he's a future world-class violinist, right? He's, you, know, or he's, you know, I mean, that's the other side, the good uh, old... Uh, no, the, uh, it's uh, like the, it's rugby or nothing, right? And, and, and that's... Look, I, I, I think all the schools have evolved quite a bit. Um, I, I mean, if I think back to when I was at school... None of the expertise was thrown uh, as is thrown in every sport at the moment, but the winning culture at all else is can't always be healthy, if I may put it that way. And again, I, and I, I want to come back to uh, the late bloomer oh, that, that, that falls through the cracks, or the fact that you've got a potential Springbok living next door to Gray, but he can't get in. Yeah, uh, uh, whatever reason. No, absolutely. Uh, th there's always late bloomers in everything, whether it be academics or sport. Always will be. Speaking of late bloomers, side note question. Um, am I right in saying, uh, and, and again, I, 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 uh, this is what I heard, and, and I've quoted it, that the All Blacks, um, from a young age, they work according to eight versus age. I, I'm actually not sure. It's a great question. Because, I, really uh, and again, sure. I'm always thinking of this, and I mean, we all had that with Oaks, 13 years old, and, and he reached his uh, adult size and weight, and now he runs over everybody, and then he stops growing for the, for the rest of his life. But this Oak is growing week under 13 versus, and now again, talent is, because a late bloomer, falls through the crack. So No, look, I, I, I mean, we've got the problem here. I mean, how many kids are eighth men in primary school or lock and then all of a sudden they stop growing and now nah, no 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 you've got to go play in the black line yeah, yeah. you go play 14 oh speed up you know so it's ab absolutely and genetics has a huge role to play in it no matter what we say let's talk about let's come back to business so and again this is it's it's, it's fascinating because it is business so i, I guess 
to summarize what, what we're saying uh, on a high school level, why would a school be putting so much money in coaching and winning? It's, it's fantastic marketing. Absolutely. Uh, Actually. It is the best form of marketing the school can get. That you're part of the classic clashes and everyone sees on TV that Gray beats Paul Boys. I'm just using these as examples. On TV, it's there, whether it goes out on YouTube an hour later or on the, the school rugby channel, and it's seen over and over and over again. You're seeing the hears that the boys are giving or the environment's giving and the singing and everything. I mean... Gray, JP, I can think of a few, are used on TikTok all the time going around the world. Uh, and it's great marketing for those schools. Absolutely. So coming, let's uh, touching on the big boys. So we mentioned uh, beforehand, obviously, wasps that just gone into administration, went belly up. Let's talk about rugby as a, as a business model, right? Um, uh, rugby as a business model is very, very interesting. Um, and I don't know if it's not, it's going through a corrective phase at the moment, so no one's sure where it's going to land. So pre-COVID, we signed the British and Irish Lions that we would provide all the equipment for them, that we'd get certain exposure. Um, And once COVID hit, we were still obligated to do that, which we did, and we followed through. But we didn't get the exposure and what we were required out of it. However, we were obligated because we had signed a contract. And with that, we always get given uh, Nielsen's report as sponsors or people vested in the game that 500,000 people saw this game or 800,000 people saw that. And that's meaningless if you can't convert that to sales. And rugby's biggest problem worldwide is it's competing with the likes of football slash soccer, where you've got the brands of Nike, Puma, Adidas, who have lifestyle and sports components to their brand, subsidizing it. Um, And I'll bring it to another sport before I I finish off what I'm going to say about rugby, but if we look at golf. So Tiger Woods was paid, I think it was $150 just to wear Nike shirts. Crazy. Um, And then... The same with Rory McIlroy to use t- uh, tailor-made drivers and all. So all of those costs have to be absorbed in some way. Now, you go and speak to any golfer and he'll say to you, gosh, it's getting expensive for, for clubs or for whatever. And and that's the, the reality of it. I mean, it's the same as if we bring it back to rugby. Those costs are absorbed somewhere. And you as a consumer at the end of the day are absorbing them. And my concern is... We are pricing ourselves out the market. I mean, 4,000 rand a ball is ridiculous, if you ask me. Um, so all of those costs get absorbed by the consumer at the end of the day. And viewership worldwide has decreased. So that percentage that covered X number of costs are getting less and less and less. Because if we're honest, you go and watch a game on TV, you see so much more than you do live at the game. However, you don't have the gears that you got at the game. Yes, yes, true. And as the South Africans, I mean, you look at Loftus, they're not always full. Uh, you, you look at uh, Emirates Airline Park, uh, it, it's less than 20% full. How long is that sustainable? And it's almost like the Gies mm. drives the... I mean, I, I take, I love my Formula One. Yeah. And I remember every time I saw a live race, Grand Prix, I couldn't wait to get in front of the television. Uh, and I was looking at it differently in front of the telly. Yes, there are a lot of benefits, replays, lacquer, but doesn't beat the gears. No. Uh, uh, but the passion, it keeps the passion high. No, abs- uh, absolutely. But, I mean, we've got to have – so we, we, we take Emirates Airline Park and the Lions. When they were winning under Johanna Ackermann, the, the stadium was a lot fuller than it is now. And while there are swings and roundabouts in any professional sport, you know – one day it's Man U, the next is Liverpool, the next is Chelsea. I'm using those as general examples. Is that in rugby, no matter... Sorry, let me rephrase that. In rugby, unlike in football, football, it's a religion. Rugby isn't, if I may use that expression. So that's why these are... It doesn't ma- the price isn't an issue. 
It's it's oh, look, I'm, I'm, I'm well up to a point. Up to a point. Or less price sensitive. Let's Le- put it that way. Yeah, if less, it's a religion, you're gonna you're gonna yes, absolutely. Less price sensitive. That's a good good analogy. So so what what what's the what's the solution? I mean, because obviously <laughs> you can't. Or what in your opinion? How do you? And again, I want to touch on wasp that went belly up, and and it's a matter of because the one thing we touched on is is and what's interesting to me is like. And you're right. I mean, we know, we all know, yeah, Loftus or, 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 or um, Alice Park, it's, it's either full if they're winning, it's, it's, it's less full if they're losing. But how do you engage with that fan? Or is that maybe the, the problem? Is that ah. I just want to milk you for your money, but I'm not engaging with you at a level where it's, it's a religion. That's a great question. I, I don't know the answer to that. And I, I think... Worldwide, that's a question that g- that's getting asked at the moment. I mean, because was was the classic example. How the hell? Well, I mean, their the, the salary bill was one hundred and four percent of their revenue. The, 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 that's excluding anything else. It's but is that just stupidity, bad management? No, I, th- I I think it was a case of everyone believed the likes of the Nielsen's report and and that. That's coming back to that nonsense. Uh, I, I I do believe it. I I believe they thought that they could take on football and. Uh, it, it wasn't happening. So but the, the only the only merit, right? Coming back to and I, I mean, I love the uh, the Nielsen example because it's it the last three weeks. I would say the last month. Even in our business, we've been having, uh, I've I've been having the conversation with 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 my team with the guys saying, listen, we need this. If you can't beat them, join them factor. And this is media value. So. The, the, the game we play with digital marketing, with the podcasting, I mean, and our, our strap line is, is measurable media, mm. not, not um, thumb suck uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> you know, listeners or, or viewers, or, 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 uh, which is the traditional. But the, the point is your big brands, those marketers, that's where they, they see that as an ROI. I mean, uh, oh, I spent 100,000 on this campaign and I got... And Nielsen says I got 500 million rands worth of media value. Look, I, I, I think the challenge is um, largely down to how media companies interact with everyone. Because a good example that we spoke about earlier is because I can deal like with my pharmaceutical brands in one manner, I could deal with all brands in one manner because the pharmaceuticals have unlimited budgets, so everyone else should have unlimited budget. Yeah. Instead of saying, let me understand your business model first and how do we engage Make sure we, we make yeah. this sustainable. Yeah. So, and I mean, and that it's, 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 it's such an uh, important point you make. And, it, and again, it's how do we, as a, how, um, I as a supplier, I mean, it's even with, if we look at South Africa with corporate social... Uh, investment, a CSI spend, instead of ticking a box, and again, I had this conversation last night at an agricultural event. So you have these big companies that, I call them these B agents, big uh, they box tickers. Instead of saying, listen, there's, there's 30 million mm. that's going into to tick a bloody box, that 30 million can become a new business. Ab- ab- absolutely. Ab- ab- I'll bring it back to a complete different industry or, or environment that proves exactly what you said. So we take auditors. Auditors have become tick boxes. Let's tick this box, I've done this. Have you actually understood the business? If what what are your under- three recommendations based on the information you've, you've, you've given me? What do you think I should do now, uh, the three things I should be focusing on the new financial year? Uh, a, it's a very good example. Uh, absolutely. And if you don't understand the business, how can you yes. define it? Explain it. Give recommendations. You can't. Yeah, let's do something with with the information. Let's strategize. <laughs> the um, but now having said that, you you uh, use the very good example of of how you engage with the fan. Yes, and uh, and the best example in the world, which we all have to hate, of course, the yes. All Blacks, right? No, the thing is, a- and it comes back down to what we were saying earlier. The All Blacks rugby is a religion in New Zealand. I mean, you've got an all-black cereal, an all-black chocolate bar, an all-black milkshake, an all-black beer. They they have got their marketing to such a degree that the whole country will buy that because it's associated with all-blacks. And 
I agree it's a lot easier in a small nation that is just all about rugby. I mean, if, if you think about it, the cricket team does well, but you, you don't hear much discussion about New Zealand and cricket. Yeah, you, yeah. All you hear is about rugby, 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 rugby. I mean, you go and ask who's the, the greatest captain of all time. At the moment, it's either Sean Fitzpatrick or um, Kieran Reid or... Uh, McCaw. What's McCaw, Richard yeah, McCaw. Richard McCaw. Sorry, that's who I was looking for. Uh, no, no one will say John Smith as an example or whoever, but it's because of the way they've branded top themselves. Top of mind. I, I mean, top of mind, or, or fan or non-fan, top of mind. Mm. I mean, it's always interesting how they reference outside of rugby. This is the best uh, sport team in history, blah, blah, blah. Right? Uh, it's not even measured in... in, in Dollar value—it's just how it how they manage the the. the well, the, 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 they're seen as the best team playing environments in any team. So whether it be soccer, it's still yeah, they've got the yeah. best win ratio worldwide, and they're still given that. So yes, good on them. So there's there's but what I take from that now thinking of it, there's a recipe there. Look, the fact that it's not dollars or rand and cent driven. Not uh, of course they they make money, but it's not a. It's not like it's always the biggest wins, right? Yeah, we've got this sport team. We made a billion dollars last year. Yeah, the All Blacks are by by no means the biggest sport team in the world, but they the most they seen as the benchmark as far as managing. I, I, it comes back to that age-old expression where passion is money will follow, mm -hmm. <laughs> and th there's no denying that. I mean, th that's why they got the investors in like they did. I mean, th I can't remember the percentage they sold to private investors, but it's not a big percentage, and yet they paid hundreds of millions of dollars for and it. And I think so it was an NFL team owner, wasn't I it? Or I'm, like I'm America, not sure. I, I think it was an uh, uh, American football uh, uh, or teams. I think they own two teams. So I want to I want to go on a tangent, but the, the the it's coming back to this whole. Um, Nielsen. So, so it sounds to me that the opportunity, and again, I, I might be ignorant because I, I, I've never managed a sports team before, but it's it's moving away from that big business mentality to say we'll 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 listen to the Nielsen figures, which is the that is the uh, that is only the big boys that have the privilege to do that because they up against, I mean, and again, if you look at your biggest brands in the world, the competition, it's a brand awareness exercise. It's because that drives the sales. But if you had a billion dollar, it, it is important who, has, who owns, I mean, in South Africa, classic example, I always say what, what dominates the billboards on our, our highways, it's, it's insurance companies. And now our insurance is there and King Price is there, but that's the game they can afford to play. You're a small broker here, you can't afford to pay hundred grand a month on a billboard. You, you'll you'll have no business at the end of the year. You need to be entrepreneurial. You need to be agile. So it sounds to me there's there's like that is of coming back to the wasp example. Other than the fact one hundred four percent of income, that's just that, that to me is bad. Fire the accountants, right? But it's how do you engage as as almost like a small business? Think like a big business, but you are agile. How do we? make money off our fans how do we engage them better look I, I and not only while we're winning it's no. like how do we get them there when we we've lost look I, I i think south african rugby legacy wise has got a few issues um so if we take ellis park even if they're winning ellis park is not in the greatest area of johannesburg so now anymore, right? And that's it. It's like nothing they did wrong. No, it's no, just, nothing. It's just, it, it, it it's just one of those. So, so the perceptions around going there and the safety. I understand. So it's not so bad management or bad playing. Mm, it's just it's, it's, a, it's not a crappy environment. So it, and good point. It, it has knock-on effects. Um, I, I mean, if you look at that, you you look at uh, Kings Park, Kings Park as well. You. It used to be absolutely fantastic. It's it's not as safe as it used to be. I'm not saying it's not safe. Please don't, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But perceptions have the drive a lot, and it's how do you change those perceptions step by step? But bringing back to what you're saying, being a multinational brand does not mean that you shouldn't be agile as well. And um, I believe any entrepreneur should have that ability to. Roll with the punches and jump in hands 
hands first, feet first, whatever expression you want to use, and have that ability to change on a dime because that will help you help you against any of the big brands. Their ability to act in that space is minute. It's so you can't you can't steer an oil tanker ninety degrees, right? Exactly. And and Absolutely. that's and it's always that's the yes. Small business, I appreciate you don't have the budget. You might not, uh, you know, you don't have that fuel to take the car that far. But if you, you but ad- agility is uh, it's that that's your strength. Speaking of which, I mean, it's a it's a beautiful segue, and 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 and, and I think it's a, it would be appropriate, uh, you know, into our to our chat. Is you mentioned an example of uh, we were obviously before we started load shedding kicked in. Luckily, we didn't press record, so generator <laughs> goes on. And we talk about the challenges of South Africa. But still, you know, what are these challenges, what they bring as far as being able to adapt, right? And a comparison, and you, you mentioned, uh, you know, the, some of the UK factory, for example. So um, uh, the, the, the UK factory in question has been in operation for 113 years. And in terms of it, with the crisis that's happening in Ukraine and the energy costs that have gone absorbent there, uh, they've gone up by 177%, this business is closed. Their, their ability to adapt to that environment is not there, where I think the resilience shown by South Africans and South African businesses is inspiring. Um, I mean, here we get told one day at stage five, the next day at stage two, then half an hour later we're back to stage four. So your ability to React needs to be on point, uh, and we, we've adapted. And, and, and those that have adapted are, are surviving and hopefully thriving. Those that haven't adapted have closed their doors, un- unfortunately. But I do believe that it makes us all stronger in the long run, and, and whatever business that is, it makes us stronger. Living abroad and, and traveling quite a bit, to me, there is no place like home, and home is South Africa through and through. And that means that whatever you do, you've got to learn to be more self-sufficient, whether it be through generators or solar or having your water stored or whatever. I believe that's a necessity, but I wouldn't leave this country for love or money. And it is, and I, I think it's such an important point that, and, and it's, uh, I guess it's the best consolation we have, and, and, and I appreciate that there are very sad stories, and I think your Ellis Park example of, you know, you just, when you built it back in the day, it was uh, the spot at, in at South Africa or the richest, I guess, square kilometer. Now it, it, it's dodgy and it's nothing you did wrong. You just, uh, now uh, things have changed and now your business is, is, is affected by it. So I appreciate that the Oaks are going to go belly up for, for nothing that they did wrong or bad or didn't adapt. But at the same time, the positive is that this keeps us on our, on our toes, and we will recover. We will; it will be better. But then we're just much stronger and and better entrepreneurs for it. Uh, I think you summed it up beautifully. You can't, you, you you couldn't have put it better. I think Europe is going to suffer immensely through this winter, and the the side effects are going to be there for years. Where we've dealt with this for years, and. We're still surviving. We're still carrying on uh, a boer market plan. Boer market plan. <laughs> and, and, and life carries on, and here we are, better and stronger for it. So, yeah. What, uh, what, what's happening? Obviously, we, we always say to people, you know, four weeks from now, the Oaks, uh, mine's already on the beach somewhere. So we've got four weeks left of the year. What, what, what exciting things you got planned for, for 2023? <coughs> Well, 2023, um, I'm going to be spending a bit of time in France watching some rugby. So that's oh, that's critical. That is, absolutely. Um, no, 2023, we've got new products launching in January, which we quite Are you milking the World Cup uh, factor? I mean, is that, is, is that um, helping? No, in, in terms of the World Cup, there's the right way, the wrong way, and the French way. And <laughs> the, the, the French have done it their own way. Sure. So, no, but we are involved with them. Um, so, Stuart Townsend, who's also one of our technical advisors, he's the de- French defensive coach as well. Uh, they all play on Rhino as well. And um, we're going to be there quite a, b- quite a while and grow from there. So, yeah. That's very exciting. But, uh, yeah, I can think of worse plays. By the way, just uh, the last time... And I've told this story before. So, uh, 2007, my 
it's two months after my son was born. I was in Paris on a on a business trip, and it coincided with with the final. And I thought that stupidly that kickoff it's four or five o'clock, so I booked my ticket back to the UK oh for no. eight. <laughs> no, so <laughs> I I had to warn everybody, tell the pilot keep his mouth shut or warn me. I'm going to stick <laughs> the taxi drive everything. So I I eventually arrived home one o'clock in the morning. I did not know obviously oh. the and, and my wife was supposed to record. And she did, and I put it on, and it was a, a, a children's program. <laughs> 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 but anyway, so I've got I've got these mixed feelings and fond <laughs> memories of of uh, a World Cup final in 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 in, uh, in France back in the day. But anyway, Philip, thank you so much for popping. It's been great chatting to you. It's fascinating. It's uh, it's uh, it's the first time that I would say we're leaning towards uh, the sports industry. So it's it's fascinating, and of course, rugby being so close to home and, and, and everybody's heart so it's very nice talking to you absolute pleasure and anytime you want me back I'll come back with the greatest pleasure thank you so much thanks thank you so much for listening if you enjoyed the show please subscribe and leave a review and follow us on social media at biz b-i-z crush